Santa Cruz Coffee Break, a special podcast series brought to you through the Santa Cruz Guitar Players Forum, a place on the web where guitar players can comfortably get together and enjoy their love of great music, great players, and of course, great Santa Cruz Guitar Company guitars. Find us on the web at santacruzguitarplayers.com. Should you want to reach Santa Cruz Guitar Company, their web address is santacruzguitar.com. Santa Cruz Coffee Break is completely informal, and if you have ideas of topics you'd like to hear Richard Hoover express his thoughts on, please join us on the forum and send us a message. Please also note that all the opinions are those of the speakers and do not reflect the official positions of Santa Cruz Guitar Company, its employees, or its dealers. With all that out of the way, let's get on to this month's Santa Cruz Coffee Break. Nice. Got a little, uh, little road wear on it, but it's the sweetest guitar there is. I mean, come on, look at that stuff. It's just, uh, Richard knows nice. exactly, exactly where this lot came from when I talked to him. He's, every time he sees it, he, he kind of goes into, oh yeah, that was from the, and I remember that top and I remember, how's that view guys, is that okay? That's awesome. Really beautiful. And you gave us the best intro we've ever had. So I'll just tell you that we're already ro rocking and rolling here. Oh, wow. With oh, a real rock you tricky with, devils. With a real rock star, Mr. Keith Grininger. And um, boy, if you, if you thought we didn't save the best for last, we oh, didn't. But, you know, this is not the last. This, this is, is not the not, last. This is not the last. Yeah, you, so. must have got that, you must have got that PayPal payment I sent you. Huh, I sure did, yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm uh, going to give you a little bit of Keith's bio, but first of all, you know, our disclaimers are that we're not responsible for anything that we say here, neither is Santa Cruz Guitar Company, and um, we love you all, and thanks for tuning in. Um, well, there in the bottom of the screen is Mr. Keith Greninger, and um, as a singer-songwriter, Keith paints intricate portraits of the human condition with powerful, melodic images. Is this hard to hear, buddy? Um, deep, engaging guitar rhythms and husky heart-wrenching vocals, his masterfully crafted tunes and powerful presence of earning the top songwriting awards at, at the prestigious Telluride Bluegrass Festival, the Carryville Folk Festival, the Napa Valley Folk Festival. Keith even had a website uh, a page, his Facebook page at one time was, I love Keith Greninger's voice. <laughs> that was not my website. That was not his, that was not his. Somebody else put that up. I yeah. had nothing to do with that. I didn't even know it existed. Yeah, well, it does. Um, he's performed at festivals and legendary venues, appeared on countless national radio shows, shared stages with dozens of the country's best-known artists, Keith's records and personal appearance, records of which there are seven, correct? I believe so, Richard. You probably know that better than I. Yeah. Um, have gained him a legion of devoted fans. I can say that again because we've done some live uh, socially distanced streaming lately, and it's pretty wild to watch 3,200 people sign into this guy on Facebook. Um, and the respect and appreciation of music's critics far and wide, a fourth generation Northern California. Keith grew up at the edge of the rich agricultural region known as the Valley of Heart's Delight, or right now it would be called? The Silicon Valley as it's known now. There it is. A lot of apples out there. Yeah, there are a lot of apples, a lot of apples, a lot of low hanging fruit. Um, <laughs> Uh, another lifelong bond was soon to be sealed when Keith's family relocated to a home near the Great Pacific. Here, Keith continued to write songs while playing in local bands throughout his high school career in Santa Cruz, California. 
After graduation, Keith packed up his truck and headed for the mountains of Colorado, living in a small cabin with no electricity in the hills above Boulder. What years was that, Keith? Do you remember? Uh, probably about 81, 82, the early I lived, 80s. I lived there in, um, I lived there from 76 to 78. And Where did you live? I lived on, um, um, well, we, what we played was Peggy's Hilo on okay. the diagonal. Um, I lived in what's I'm trying to think of the big northwest north south street that was there. It was a you know a little thing, but so you were right in Boulder, right in Boulder. Yeah, I oh, got, yeah. Up, got up every morning, rode my bike up to Netherlin on on Boulder Can up Boulder County, rode my my pedal bike, came back down. Wow, yeah, every day. That's a hell of a ride. It's a hell of a ride. Six hours, um, uh, had had a five night a week gig at Peggy's playing wow. bass. So it was just a, a, a totally beautiful. Was uh, wasn't Fogelberg hanging out in Netherlands around that time? Everybody was there. Fogelberg was there. Stills, yeah. Stills was just getting thrown out of the the Pioneer for the final time. Um, <laughs> but Caribou was functioning, and um, yeah. you know, uh, I'm trying to think. Uh, Walsh had just Walsh was still there. Um, Hillman was still there. It was a mess of people. You know, yeah. Yeah. You know, it was interesting. I mean, that that was an amazing, um, amazing uh, area at the time. But when I when I moved out there, it, it was interesting because I, you know, had grown up playing a lot of acoustic guitar. I mean, I started on the acoustic guitar, but then, you know, through my high school years, got into playing um, electric as well. But mainly writing was always what I was drawn to and still am to this day, writing and and singing and and. Uh, you know, I've developed my style basically just to back up my storytelling and, and my love for singing. But um, when I moved up to a cabin up outside of Boulder there, it was just, uh, you know, it was a lot of amazing acoustic music going on at the time and Prime was cruising in and out of there. I, I just kind of, you know, it's when I really immersed myself in acoustic music and singer songwriters and living up in this little cabin in the mountains up there, I ended up you know, starting to play and toy with a lot of bluegrass, meet a lot of folks who played, you know, a lot of bluegrass and a lot of old traditional stuff, which led to a lot of the Appalachian songwriting and stuff. So it was an amazing time for me, man. It really was. It was an incredibly um, creative um, group of people around there at, at that time, you know. Um, and I remember, was it Boulder Music? Yeah, uh, it was Boulder Music. It was right on on the main, and right next to it was the place that had the omelet. That if you could eat, <laughs> if you could eat the six egg omelet with the bowl yeah. of whatever else they put in there, they gave you the omelet. Nick, right, right. Nick's, right. yeah, Nick's, yeah, great. Um, a great town, beautiful place to be, man. It, it, really it was, it was a, a beautiful spirit and wonderful people, and wow, it was just a. A, a special place to be at that time. Um, Keith traveled to Central America, to Nicaragua, where he helped build schools using his skills as a carpenter and talents in that way. Um, I think what you're going to see if I keep going and going and going and going on this amazing biography is that we have in front of us a person that dedicates his life to service and the service of his community and his fans and the good of the planet. So, um, you thank know. you, Richard. Thank you for, thank you for the kind introduction, and I hope 
I hope it didn't go on too long for folks. I didn't realize you were going to read most of it, but thank you for that. And I, I only it. read half of it. <laughs> <laughs> it's a long life. My I saved it's myself. A it is a long life. I saved myself half of it and just said, you know, <laughs> the big thing is, is what happens right now is Keith is, as, as no one has been uh, touring or playing in the past year. Um, what we're looking at Keith right now is his studio up in the Santa Cruz mountain, which is Rin River Studios which he has in the past couple of months totally set up to do live streaming with yeah. unbelievably fast internet connection. Can I, Richard, while we're speaking, can I show you just a clip of what I get to look at out my, my control room window here? I don't know if you guys can. Yeah, we can see it. Can you see that oak tree and the, the mm. meadows and the redwoods and this is a, a, a beautiful structure that a friend of mine built on 61 acres in the Santa Cruz Mountains. And uh, I just feel very, very blessed and honored um, to be able to work out of here, you know, not only make my own records, but work with a lot of other artists. And um, it kind of marries two of my passions, you know, because I've been a woodworker uh, most of my life as well as a musician. And we have a wood shop down below the studio here. There's a mill on the property. so. Uh, it's kind of the best of both worlds. But what's what's been really wonderful about the experience is uh, inviting nature into the recording and, uh, you know, live streaming process when, you know, this particular studio, we have windows that look out into the redwoods and onto the meadows. And, you know, I've just always felt that nature is a very influential part of our music. And it's wonderful to see musicians get out of their cars when they come up to record here. You can almost... Um, feel their hearts opening up which uh you know as a producer if you're helping somebody produce their own music your job is to help people get out of their heads and into their spirit world and their their passion place and stuff and uh you know nature does a lot of the work for us up here at this space so we're, we're lucky to be here i've uh, i've been lucky enough to work up there with um both eric sky and jamie stillway and both of them tuned into the birds yeah, you know, just yeah. tuned into the birds right off the bat. It was like yeah. open the windows, let's listen to those birds for a little while. So. We were doing a we were doing a project up here not too long ago. Um, as I said, we're back on sixty one acres up here, and uh, uh, the crickets uh, were just having a time. This was in uh, in the fall. They were just they, there's a part of the year where you just can't keep them out, and uh, I was thinking a little bit like you know you know I told the client well don't worry we'll, we'll fade those out and mask them and he was going I was kind of hoping you could turn them up you know <laughs> so and it's true you know uh, when nature makes a, an appearance on certain things uh, I mean some of my favorite parts of you know the Tom Rec, uh, Tom Waits is uh, you know Mule Variations Records is those roosters in the background you know uh, we got to let what happens happen sometimes you know it's not always pristine <laughs> but we just try to make it soulful I think um, we just saw in the in the latest Farm Aid, um, and I don't know if you've had a chance to watch any reruns of that or not, but Neil was just out singing to the chickens. Yeah. You know, with just one camera and, and it was just Neil singing to the chickens and it was really, really, really great. Yeah. And we would have never got that without COVID, you know? No, we wouldn't. In fact, Richard, I don't know if you remember, but you, you had come up... Um, the one day when, when you and I filmed, I think three or four community sing-alongs mm -hmm. up here in the studio. Um, 
at the later part of that day and COVID had just kind of started really. I think we were just about a month into it. And you and I had, you know, decided let's, let's go up and shoot some video and do some sing-alongs and to send out to folks to kind of lift their spirits a little bit. And at one point at the end of that afternoon, um, I just said, well, follow me. And you followed me with the camera. We walked out um, over here in the Grove and we just started playing out amongst the trees and uh, you were shooting the camera and stuff. Well, it was so nice to, to see people's responses on the Facebook posts of how much nature, how good it felt, especially at that time of COVID, right? Because we were at that point where a lot of people who were saying that from different parts of the country were locked in apartments or, you know, uh, inside of cities and stuff. So, um, you know, the interesting thing about these times is, is to be, the technology uh, is allowing us uh, to share the medicine and, you know, definitely nature is always a huge part of that. I mean, we're here to talk about guitars, right? What more of, of, a, of a natural um, confluence of spirit and, and, and craft than guitars. And so much of it stems, of course, from our natural world. So I'm honored to be here. I'm glad you guys wanted to do this. Well, I, let me just say that, you know, I think the first time I got introduced to your work, Keith, was uh, at one of the Santa Cruz uh, events. I'm trying to think, maybe it was the 35th anniversary up um, in Felton. Anyway, I. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I just remember being in the audience. I didn't know who you were. You did a, a one or two songs. And I mean, it hit just how passionate you were in your stories and and your guitar playing was amazing and i just sat there going man i want to be that guy i want to be able to write songs like that and i want to be able to sing like that and i want to be able to play guitar like that i am screwed uh <laughs> isn't it something how we always end up feeling that way at some point about something in our lives right we always go oh <laughs> you know, and then and then we never know when we're the guy on the other end and somebody is saying that about us. Tad, thanks for saying that, man. By the way, it's, it's great to meet you finally. And, and yeah, to have to have you on the screen. Man. Well, I, when when um, when Richard said he was going to arrange this with you, I was really excited. I mean, I don't know enough about your background. I read the 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 lengthy thing that I got sent <laughs> and was quite amazed. Um, but I mean, to me. I, I don't know what more we could do other than to let you kind of tell your stories and sing, because I think that just from what I know, that, that's just you. I mean, that, that well, you, you put it right out there. Thanks, man. You know, I, I remember the, uh, the anniversary show that you were talking about. That was a really wonderful night. Um, and, uh, God, there was so much, there was so much good spirit in that room. And I, and I think, uh, was it Noki Edwards? Who, who, who was it that, that played that night? Some, uh, somebody from the Ventures? It was, what was that? It was, was it Noki? It was Noki. I think he finished up the night. Um, they were oh, just, wow. uh, it was such a great spirit in that room. And, and you know, we're here, uh, you know, to talk about our, our brothers and sisters over at Santa Cruz Guitar and to, and to praise, uh, you know, sing their praises, literally sing their praises. But um, I, I just can't say enough about these uh, these instruments and these people. You know the people that build them. I, I've known Richard. Uh, she's. I probably met Richard in the in the late '80s. You know, 
I mean, in the early 80s, I think, is when I met him. He and uh, Bruce had just had a little shop way out on the west side, probably 83, 84. I had an old Martin. And I'm not sure about any of these dates. Rich will probably correct me and say, no, it was a whole different time period. But I do remember them in this really cool little tiny shop way out on the west side. And I used to live up the coast on Swanton Road. Uh, which we just lost most of Swanton Road in the fires. In fact, I just drove up to Last Chance in Swanton the other day. It was amazing to, uh, to check that out. But I used to drive into Santa Cruz to play music or do whatever I was doing. And I was so proud of, I finally had a Martin. <laughs> D35, 1970. And uh, every once in a while, I need some work done. Somebody told me about these guys that were working on guitars at the edge of town. And so I stopped in and, and they were the nicest guys, but they were very serious about guitars. And I remember they, uh, they would very subtly say, yeah, well, you know, these Martins are nice, but you know, they do this and they kind of, you know, and, then, and that creates a, pro, you know, and I remember just being kind of astounded thinking to myself, dude, this is like, I mean, this, you know, the Martin and the, and the Gibson are like the Holy Grail. I mean, these guys are serious. They're taking this thing apart, you know? <laughs> um, but I, I, you know, in looking back, I realized that this, you know, I was meeting masters. I was meeting people who were respecting the craft of the great guitars at that time and were already trying to figure out how to improve on it, not disrespecting it, but just saying, okay, so, you know, let's take what we've learned from these guys and, and let's, let's move even more forward and, and so meeting those guys back then in that little tiny shop and having them work on my Martin uh, you know I just really respected them and, I, and they would always josh me a little bit and say you should buy one of our guitars and I would joke with them that I'm a musician I can't I can't I can't barely afford the guitar that I had but I kept telling them one of these days one of these days you know and uh, I'd say maybe a, a couple of years after I had met them and they had worked on my Martin for a while uh, I was left a little bit of money uh, by one of my grandmothers that had passed away, a couple thousand dollars or something. And uh, I'll never forget being able to go in and, and talk with Richard and place the order for a, an OM cutaway, uh, Indian Rosewood, you know, and uh, never forget showing up to actually play the thing and pick it up, you know, and, and then having that connection to my grandmother. Very nice, very nice. It was cool and to have a, a guitar built by people that I respected and, and also bear the name of, of the hometown and all that. It began, a, um, it began a real wonderful friendship and bond uh, with craftsmen and, and Richard and all the folks at Santa Cruz. Uh, you know, I carry them with me proudly. I'm, I'm proud to take their instruments wherever I go. And this isn't a sales pitch, this is just speaking the truth uh you know when you're a songwriter and a singer and a musician these things are an extension of your of your spirit and your musical spirit and they're also an extension of what touches the audience so uh, that's what's so nice about about playing a guitar you believe in and, and playing a guitar where you know people built it with their hearts the same way that you're putting your heart into your songwriting and, and, and people who thought about the trees that it came from and, and people who think about how to take care of each other 
in a business world that sometimes tries to just force, you know, speed and profit. Um, you know, these uh, Richard and and the folks at Santa Cruz has set a model that I'm I'm proud to represent, not just just through their instruments, but through the spirit of how they treat each other, how they treat the community. So it's a it's a beautiful thing, y'all, and. Uh, uh, I do probably have the world's greatest LM, as I was mentioning um, before. What number, what number is that? Let me see here. This sucker is OM24. Wow. February 1988. <laughs> Hello. Now, I notice it doesn't have a cutaway. Uh... <laughs> no. Okay. Tad, you had to bring that up. We're going to go into part two of the story. <laughs> Well, this is this is in-depth podcasting, so you know we 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 tried to get right. <laughs> yeah. Assuming we probably lost everybody by now because we're just rambling here. But um, actually, I, I do enjoy telling this story because it, I think it's it's probably part of every every guitar player's um, you know journey. You can you can do everything you can sometimes to think that you can design the perfect the perfect instrument or the perfect home or, or whatever that is. But the amazing thing is sometimes it already exists out there, you know? And, uh, you know, I've, I've kind of learned that over the years through guitars, you know, as we all folks who are watching this are guitar players, you know, sometimes you'll just pick up a certain guitar, you, you just strum one chord or you pick one note and something happens, you know? And it just, it's like, what is going on here? Um, so getting back to the original guitar, they built me this beautiful cutaway OM. And uh, I had been used to playing the D35, which had, you know, of course, there's a big cannon of a, of, a, of a rosewood dreadnought, lovely guitar. And at the time I was playing, some, some folks out there might know, remember the group I was in called City Folk. It was a trio with myself, Roger Foyer and Kimball Hurd. And uh, in that band, I was, mainly playing rhythm so so we were a trio we had myself playing rhythm guitar kimball heard who's an awesome multi-instrumentalist playing mandolin and mandola and dobro and, and banjo and then also guitar and roger foyer spectacular acoustic guitar lead player and so basically i was i was always holding down the rhythm and and doing a lot of the writing and doing a good portion of the of the lead vocals although we all did write and sing and it was it was a a really nice uh, collaboration but essentially i was the bass player and drummer in that band with that d35 just that nice big low cannon of a guitar um when i got the first santa cruz uh it was it was a beautiful guitar pristine but i found myself missing that bottom end um, and i knew in a way that the bottom end was going to come into that om but it might take another year or so um, which I was happy to happy to wait for. I mean, because the guitar played so beautifully. Um, in fact, there is a a record, uh, kind of one of our fan favorite CDs that City Folk did called "Shadows on the Wall," which is a CD where the three of us used to get snuck into the record plant in the middle of the night because one of our friends was an engineer there. So when all the big rock star bands would go home we'd sneak into the record plan. This was the early days of digital recording and a wonderful um, engineer friend of ours by the name of Manny La Caruba, who became the main engineer there, but at the time was just an assistant engineer, would sneak us into the big room 
and he would set up these two beautiful little condenser mics in a, in a cross pattern. And the three of us would just sit in a semicircle and we were just playing tunes. We were just capturing our, our repertoire. Um, but the recordings turned out uh, to be recorded so beautifully sonically that we ended up putting out as a, a record. Um, and on that whole record is, is the original Santa Cruz that I have, the original cutaway. Um, and I still go back and listen to that record and hear some things and go, man, I, should, I knew I should have kept that guitar, but I couldn't, afford, I, I couldn't afford it at the time. So what happened was, and this is that long-winded Greninger interview that all these folks are going to go, what the heck? Um, what happened was Roger Foyer was teaching a guitar student who happened to have this OM and he had left it at Roger's house and he was thinking about selling this guitar. And I was rehearsing with the guys at City Folk. We would rehearse over in Roger's uh, kitchen, had great acoustics. And one night, Roger and Kimball went out to buy some food that we were gonna cook for dinner. And I reached over and I picked this guitar up. It was sitting on a stand. Uh, and I don't think I've put this guitar down for 30 years. You know, it was like, uh, I just, uh, I had one of those moments. I had the original Santa Cruz acoustic, which was just this beautiful, pristine, even based high-end thing. But when I picked up this OM that didn't have the cutaway, uh, it was a little bit older. It had the thinner top. Um, it just had this amazing bottom end to it as, that I, you know, as I was saying, that I was missing from the D35, but all that top end, you know, pristineness and beauty and attack and, ended up selling the other guitar really quickly because you know everybody wants a Santa Cruz and I turned around and, and gave that money that I bought that um, that I got from that guitar and bought this one so there you go that's how I ended up you know you brought it up Tad where's where's the uh, cutaway well there's no that's how I ended up with this other guitar well I'm sure that other guitar is out there just killing it well, and, and I'm sure Eric would say you got two more frets there than you really need. So why need the cutaway? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's exactly. true. Hey, just, a, just as a side note, for some reason, Zoom is telling me that we only have seven minutes left, although I have unlimited Zoom. So if we, okay. get, if we get cut off, um, I'll just reissue another meeting and just stay there and just look for an email and we'll do it in a second. I have no idea what's going on with it, but you got it. We got and you that. tell me if I'm rambling too much. No, 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 oh, we, no, 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 we, 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 we love it. Um, yeah. I, mean, I think we were actually more afraid you were going to be too professional all set up in the studio and everything. Whereas, you know, <laughs> we're just sitting around in our uh, no. side rooms or whatever. <laughs> We get enough of that. I mean, this is, is that's why I say, we're just, you know, hanging out on a nice day like this and just chatting with you guys about Santa Cruz guitars, you, you know, I could just kind of drift off the map. So just keep pulling me back and let me know where the uh, guardrails are, so to speak, right? But yeah, no, so this, uh, the, uh, you know, that's how I ended up with this guitar. And uh, yeah. now the, the, you know, a little more backstory on that is that uh, the, you know, I was telling you there were three of us in City Folk and um, the first of us to get a Santa Cruz in City Folk was uh, Kimball Hurd. Um, Kimball had, I forget how he did, I think he picked up some kind of a, an FS second. 
and that's what kind of started you know the guitar the santa cruz guitar envy thing in the city folk group you know it, it just it was kind of like one of those moments uh he got that fs and uh roger and i both had roger had this beautiful little uh double o martin i think that he could just make sound just so beautiful and then uh i had the dreadnought d35 kimball brings in this uh, santa cruz fs and everything just you know we kind of went okay that's that's kind of the next level there. And um, so one side note about that as well is this guitar from Santa Cruz that I have now actually has an FS neck on it. Um, one time touring, I'm gonna say probably 10, 15 years back, the airlines took this guitar out of my hands when I was getting on a plane. I was on tour uh, to the East Coast and uh, ended up losing the guitar temporarily. Um, I had to wait for it to come back later that night. I was flying to Burlington, Vermont. They ended up breaking the neck on this thing. Um, the beautiful part of this story was, if you can believe it, I ended up in a small airport in Vermont uh, and they ended up uh, giving me the full cost of what it would take to have Santa Cruz build me a new neck and install it on the guitar. Um, so I was, when I got back home, um, I remember that FS neck that was on Kimball Hurd's guitar. And I remember liking it because it was wider. I asked Richard, can, can you guys put a wider neck on this and FS neck? So this is the, uh, basically a bit of a customized thing where it's, you know, the OM body, but with a bit wider neck and, uh, can't say enough about it. Love it. Yeah. 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 So that's intriguing because they do. I love Santa Cruz's one and 13 16 inch wide neck, which is their FS neck. Mm -hmm. and, and yeah, hearing yeah. that that's on your guitar is like, whoa, now that's that's a nice combination right there. Those it's a, it's a one, yeah, Ted, it's a wonderful comp. Well, for me, I mean, some people like a, a smaller neck. I like a little more room on the neck. And uh, yeah, I, can, I just, I love it. I mean, you know, it was one of those kind of uh, bittersweet, you know, almost blessing and a curse moments when the, the neck got cracked, but I ended up getting an even better neck. The original neck was that slight V and it had the Ivroid, you know, on the sides and stuff. It, it still played beautifully, but this neck, I'm never going back, you know. <laughs> nice, nice. Yeah. yeah. So um, we're, uh, we're, we're, we're trying to figure out this Zoom thing. So if I drift away, um, guys, just keep going. <laughs> no sure. problem. Yeah. So, so how long have you been at that studio, Keith? I mean, I, I was actually there um, when we got invited down by Carolyn and Gerard to uh, shoot their um, video for their... Uh, uh, oh, the yeah, for the, the recent release, right? Their, um, their Marty Robbins. Um, Marty, exactly, yes, yes, yes. What a great and, piece of music. That's, that's I mean... Oh, but that studio and that wood shop is so amazing. I'm also a bit of a woodworker. So, I mean, I was just walking around there in awe. Um, oh, great. How do you get anything done? I mean, it's just so <laughs> wonderful up there. I mean, the, the views and, and, and I mean, it's just, I don't know. I, I'd have to find a whole new level of getting myself motivated to, to try and work in an environment like that because yeah, you know, Ted, it's funny you bring that up. I think that um, 
you know, having, having been in a lot of recording studios over the years and have, you know, um, I'm always, for, for some reason, for me, I, I'm always pretty, I was always pretty comfortable in recording studios. I know some of the artists that I play with aren't quite as comfortable in recording studios, but I always kind of enjoyed it. But I, I found that the key to making great music and making great recordings is to almost forget that you're recording to create situations where you're just so relaxed, you know, you just feel like you're in your living room or you feel like you're, you know, um, so that's kind of what it's like up here. Um, we have some wonderful equipment. We have great mics, we have great, so we have some universal audio gear, you know. Another thing about living here in Santa Cruz is not only do we have, you know, Santa Cruz guitar, we have um, universal audio, we, we have just so many great instrument and equipment makers um, and so we have a lot of great gear up here, but the room just sounds good, you know, and that's such a huge part of any recording. It's just like any, any of these wonderful guitar players that you guys have interviewed would tell you in a heartbeat. If you capture the performance, you can almost capture it on a tin can if you have to, you know, but if the spirit's there and the player has hit their mark and the guitar's done its thing, you know, uh, if you don't capture the spirit of the performance, it doesn't matter how great the equipment is, you know, it's, it's, it's not quite gonna connect with people as much. So that's kind of where we veer here. It's just, uh, the room is big. We've got, you know, 34 wide and 52 deep across, and then our ceilings are 16 foot high. So we don't have a lot of short wave sound reflection to contend with. Um, it's just that old additive, you know, you, you put a decent player, in a good sounding room with a decent sound and mic in front of it, you don't have to do too much. You know? Mentioning how lucky I feel to have a room that's big enough um, and and you know a space that where it's really nice. Some of the most enjoyable stuff is watching other artists be able to get to come up here and enjoy it and be inspired by a room that's big enough to have a lot of people in the same space and you know still get separation and and uh, and just feel you know, feel inspired. So yeah, we're having fun up here. Um, I'm glad you got to see the wood shop down below, Tad. It sounds like you got a peek down there because uh, there's, a, there's a lot of really cool wood up here as well. A lot of oh, nice slabs. And, yeah. I, I was admiring all that stickered up wood on the drive yeah. in there. I was like, you know, wait, 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 can we put a couple of those in the back of the car? Yeah, um, my, friend, uh, my friend Chuck Pyle, who, who owns the property and has been developing it over, you know, just you know, just done a beautiful job keeping it wild and natural, but he's a miller and uh, has been collecting wood for years and years and has a, a wood miser. In fact, he just recently got an electric wood miser, Ooh. which is lovely. It's very, very quiet, very, very efficient. Um, but uh, yeah, we got slabs, <laughs> we got wood. And oh. a lot of the, a lot of the, um, the framing that you're seeing up above me here, the timber framing, uh, was milled, you know, on his mill um, yeah. over the years. So you can kind of see there. I don't think you have room. Job showing it, but I don't yeah. think you have room, Tad, for a wood miser in your shop. You got quiet all of a sudden. What was that, Richard? I don't think that Tad has room for a wood miser in his shop. <laughs> I don't think I, so. I, I know he's got fifteen bandsaws and no, no four. Just four, just yeah, four. So. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, but no, I have a parking lot I could put a wood miser on. But yes, um, you do. I, the, yeah. problem, <laughs> the problem with having a wood miser is then you got to move some really big logs. Yeah. And that's the hard part of the job. Yeah. Very, very true. Got the green one. Well, the next so, time you guys are going to fire that thing up, you give me an invite. I would love to uh, uh, go through the experience of milling out a log like that with one of those. So. Yeah, no, it's, it's you know, if, if you're a woodworker and, and you're a person who loves wood, um, it's just, it's so gratifying and, and to to be able to take these beautiful logs and then dimensionalize them and, and mill them up. And again, getting back to all our friends building guitars and stuff, the Santa Cruz crew and, uh, you know, a, a, another wonderful parts of our community over here, you know, Rick Turner and, and, and folks like that, Jeff Trogget and... Um, Roy McAllister, getting back to the stories, those guys were all, uh, at least Roy and Jeff were building guitars at Santa Cruz when I picked up that first OM I was talking to you about. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, so we got we got wood up here and um, it's, uh, in fact, Richard's been up here and uh, I think him and Chuck have done some some horse trading for, uh, for wood and uh, it's wonderful to watch, you know. My fence in my backyard, all... Uh... Oh, and and by the way, my friends came from there, and Keith built it for me. So what more can I what more can I say? That's awesome. You've played a lot of music festivals. That's that's been a, a, a stalwart of you, and that looks like it's put on hold for a little bit. But um, give us a funny story. And give us a disaster story. <laughs> oh man, they can't um, be the same. No, no, they can't could be the they same. Can. They can. Actually, they could be the same. <laughs> sure, they can. <laughs> man, Richard, I'd have to search. I'd have to search my memory banks for that. Um, you know, I'll tell you. I'll tell you uh, uh, one of my favorite. One of my favorite. Uh, festival stories and this is this is the wonderful thing about festivals uh they're just so human you know everybody's had their folk festival moment where they've gotten you know you're sitting at a campfire or you're you know uh you had mentioned i was, was fortunate enough many years back to uh, be have been one of the um, finalists and, and winners of the kerrville um songwriting thing which was a, a real high honor for me you know and and there's just so many great songwriters and, and to be you know completely fair and honest the nice thing about Kerrville is they don't pick one winner you know they, they just pick six in the end they pick six finalists and just call all six of you the you know the, the songwriters from that particular year they get those honors um, but most of the early experiences for a lot of us songwriters at Kerrville was just a sense of community you know you you, you go to Kerrville um, as much just to be there with other songwriters actually more than you do to perform really. Um, performing is a, is a wonderful thing to be a part of there, but the real medicine, the real joy of being at Kerrville is be, just being around so many great songwriters and, and having a community of, of like-minded people who are ex exploring the same craft. So the best moments at Kerrville are, are usually around a fire at night and discovering songwriters that are just blowing your mind and building friendships and stuff and um i was at kerrville at one point in, in kind of the earlier part of my songwriting days and all of a sudden i turn around and there's utah phillips and uh 
somebody said, hey, man, this, you know, you want to meet Bruce? I said, oh, God, yeah. I mean, he, he was a huge hero of mine forever. I was a little bit shy, you know, and Bruce throws his arm around me and yells, comrade, and gives me a big hug. And uh, we start chatting about things. And he was living up in Nevada City at this time. I knew that because I was kind of secretly following Utah Phillips quite a bit. Um, but anyway, later that evening, uh, we're sitting at our, we had this little camp circle, a bunch of friends of ours, myself, Chuck Brodsky, John Smith, Tom Payne, Nikki Lehman. Uh, it, it was called Camp California. And uh, we're passing the guitar around and, and I finished playing my song and I turned around and look and, and Utah Phillips is sitting right next to me. And, uh, you know, almost dropped the guitar, you know, I was trying to play it cool. I'm like, okay, okay, I can handle this, you know. Uh, and I turned, you know, not only was I just completely honored that he was sitting there and that he'd been listening to all our songs, but I turned to hand him a guitar and he says, no, no, no. He says, I, I'm just here to listen. And, uh, you know, he had us pass the guitar to the next person, but he would, you know, always compliment the song of whoever had played it. And he was such a generous man. Afterwards, I realized that Bruce in his later years was having some arthritis in his hand. So he didn't play a lot near the back half of his career. He was more of a storyteller and, and, a, and a historian. And if you ever went to his concerts, you know, he spent most of the concert talking, but he always looked like he was about to play another song. And did you guys ever see Bruce? He was just a master, a master of humor, a master of, of history, uh, inspiration of humanity, you know, keeping alive the spirit of, uh, of doing good, you know, doing, doing, doing the right thing, doing uh, the fair thing, you know, and, and, and hearkening back to say the Woody Guthrie and, the, and people like that, where you use the guitar and you use the voice as a way to keep up the good fight and to share the stories that needed to be told. Um, so for me, you know, those kind of moments at the festivals, um, those are the ones that stick out for me. You know, uh, the performances are always really fun and wonderful to play in front of large audiences and then always get to, uh, you'll see some of your friends, you get to invite them up on stage, it's, you know. But for me, it's those moments, the quiet times when you actually get to meet some of your heroes and heroines and, and just see just what amazing artists and people they were. You know, just, um, you know, it's gonna come back. We'll, we'll be gathering again in, in large groups and, and sharing music. It may, be, it may be a while, you know, we'll get back to it safely, but it won't go away completely. Uh, we have to be around each other, you know, and we have to, we have to share the stories. Well, so we've been talking about songwriting a little bit. And, and as I said, I think at the beginning, uh, depending upon how this is edited, um, you know, it was your your songwriting and singing that that really caught my attention at that that show. So if we ignore, you know, the great guitar playing and the great singing and the great performance and just concentrate on songwriting, can you tell us a little bit about your process and, and how you approach it and how you um, get into the because your, your songs they have a, a, a story and, and kind of almost a motivational feeling to them. Um, you know, it, it, it's, it, it, 
I don't know how to describe it, uh, which is really sad since I'm doing this podcast, but no, can you no, tell us about, you know, how you're, <laughs> you approach it? Well, um, thank you, Tad, for, for, first of all, for um, such kind words about what maybe what you felt on some of my songs. That's an honor for me. Um, yeah, I guess for me, songwriting has always been a very um, spiritual endeavor. It's been a very emotional and, and enjoyable endeavor for me uh, ever since I was a little kid, even before I was writing songs. I remember how <clears throat> the right lyric against the right chord progression against the right emotional break of a voice uh, I remember just how much that could affect me and the people around me, you know, even before I was playing music and being kind of drawn to that. And so as I, um, as I literally came into music, mainly because I just loved singing and I loved maybe someday being able to tell a story. Um, as I said, I, I love playing the guitar. I love having that bond with the guitar, but the actual playing of the guitar for me is oftentimes um just a, a support it's it's in which is kind of uh has become kind of something that i've actually begun to enjoy so much over the years is that how do you use your 10 fingers and your two hands to create as much interest and drama or platform as you can to tell whatever story you're getting ready to tell um uh, you know, when you ask about the songwriting process, I guess for me, it, it's it's different, but it's very, uh, it's always different. I mean, some songs are just, you know, maybe you're going to write something fun. It's just, it's all of a sudden you're playing the guitar, you just had your coffee, the morning sun's hitting you a certain way, and you, you come across this cool little riff, and you're just going to, you're just going to follow that part of the spirit and the spark, right? It's just, this is going to be a fun one. Let's just have some fun. Um but for me, a lot of the stuff that I work on, just, just to give you some insights, I, I mentioned earlier about Swanton Road and, and Last Chance and the fires up there when I used to live up there uh, before the fires, of course, and I first met Richard and the guys. Um, you know, I just had been feeling this pull I needed, I needed to go see. It's... Um really devastating to go through what we've gone through in the past year here with with isolation and then fires and then everybody basically losing their jobs yeah, yeah. you know so yeah. it, it, you know on top of all of that it, it there's there's this sense of non-connection and i think that that's something that you really you really bring Keith is you bring that that humanity and that medicine that is um, it, a lot of people a lot of people in, in in this area have gone through some pretty rough times in the past year. You know, Richard, I, I, I think you're right, and I think each one of us we have we have something that we always bring to the tribe, to the community. And we have, we have a way that we process things and that we give, that we give back. And I guess what I was, you know, about to say there uh, before, you know, things catch, catch up to you emotionally, but to answer Tad's question, part of my writing process is to stay with that emotion, those emotions, just, just to go play, you know, 
to feel things, to not calculate, to not say, oh, I'm going to go in, you know, to this situation or that situation to quote, write a song. But, you know, cause sometimes it's, it, it, it's not about writing the song, but it's about being in the emotional and spiritual space of what we're experiencing in life. And when I think about uh, when I write songs, sometimes I don't worry about whether, you know, I, I really am not a big fan of, oh, I'm gonna go write about this or I'm gonna, I'm more, um, I'm trying to pay attention to say where my instincts are taking me or bringing me, what, what, what it's feeling like, maybe where I need to, um, I need to go and see if there's a way I can, I can help explain a situation or help tell a story that, that is, is not completely being told. And that process for me, a lot of times, sometimes just has to do with going and being there and, and, and helping or staying in the situation. And the song doesn't come out sometimes, maybe for months, maybe for years, but, but we have to go, we have to be in the world and in, in, in life. Right. So, um, that's it's a long explanation to uh, not a very clear process but what i can say is that i think as human beings some of our best work comes out of our most authentic places and sometimes it's just it's stirring up what's already in us and then each of us has this this skill set every one of us has a skill set where we then process and bring out some kind of a a piece or a gift to share to the circle. Um, and that's kind of how I look at songwriting. I look at, I look at that as it's something that for some reason I was intrigued by at a young age. Some reason um, I enjoyed doing it. It came kind of natural to me. And as I just kept it in my life and kept doing it, um, you, you know, it, sometimes you look around and, and it, it starts to maybe mean something to somebody else as well, other than just yourself. Um, and so that's, that's kind of the, the cool process of it, which is, I always tell people at songwriting camps, hey, you know, if I never performed in front of an audience, music has given me more than I could ever want, right? I mean, it's just, it's like just, just having it in my life. And, and each of us, again, going back, I think each of us has something like that. But, uh, you know, just to think of all the places that you can go with just your instrument or just your poems or just your, your thoughts and create sacred space and create connection or, you know. So, um, you know, that's that's what the songwriting process is like for me is it's yeah. just it's just trying to figure out where it belongs and, and how to, you know, go sometimes going places and feeling things, sometimes just getting out in the sun and dancing, you know. Um, and that, go ahead, brother. I was gonna say that rings really true because I remember that the the song that you did um, touched on issues of poverty and homelessness, and it it struck uh, uh, both an emotional and intellectual chord in me that I still remember it, uh, and that's not common with a lot of songs. I mean, a lot of songs, a lot of stuff. You you know you it brings you a lot of pleasure and you enjoy it and you're happy and everything. But I just remember your performance because it struck on a whole nother level. And it kind of like, was like, Whoa, um, this is somebody I got to remember. And the song was really, really moving. And, and anyway, 
That's why I had to ask you about the songwriting because it seemed like it was so incredibly personal. Um, well, thank you, Ted. And, you know, literally that. pulled out from within. Well, and you know, thank you for, for saying that, man. And, and again, you know, going back to that wonderful night we all shared for the Santa Cruz 35th, you know, everybody who came up on stage that night, you know, everybody just has this connection on one level or another with their music or their instrument or their body, you know, the playing styles. Um, it's just, it's always such a, an honor to be part of that process with so many different artists. And, you know, myself as a songwriter, you know, and I'm sure, you know, instrumentalists go through this as well, where, you know, given what you're saying, there are times when you can't help but step back and look at the the breadth of your material and go, man, you know, a lot of heavy stuff in there. <laughs> maybe, you should, maybe you should lighten it up, brother. But um, at the same time, uh, you know, we follow we, we follow those trickles of, of you know, of, of water and spirit that we follow. And uh, yeah, and, you know, I do like the idea of, you know, writing some stuff that's lighter sometimes. And I think I do that sometimes even just just to keep me balanced, because sometimes, uh, you know, sometimes the more emotional stuff can can almost be easier, you know, uh, because it's right. just it's so it's almost uh but life is full life is a full circle um you know i sometimes think about that in my performances you know when you put you put together a performance for your audience you know if you're going to take them to some if you're going to ask them to follow you into some deep emotional terrain you have to give them a release as well and mm -hmm. as life is right life is you know I, i've gone to some of the most uh, you know, some of the people that I've visited in different countries and stuff who are suffering the most have taught me the most about how important it is to smile and to dance and to laugh when you have the chance. So, you know, there's that. So, thinking positively, what um, what do you see good things happening in the next year for you? Good things happening in the next year. Let's see. Um, well, you know, we're having fun with these live streams. Um, we're all trying to figure out where to go now, right? With COVID, with, with things. Uh, I'm really enjoying, uh, as Richard said, we dug a bunch of trenches across 61 acres this year, uh, this last summer. I borrowed a tractor from a friend, <laughs> dug a bunch of trenches because we had uh, almost no internet up here. Um, but again, you know, figuring out ways to stay connected to each other, you know, figuring out ways to keep spreading music and, and connection. Uh, I, you know, I, I'm enjoying, I'm enjoying that part of the process. I, I was doing an interview not too long ago on the radio uh, about one of the shows we were doing and, and somebody was asking how it's changing as a musician. Of course it's changing, you know, it's, it's drastically changed. We're not getting together in the same rooms and playing live, but the technology is also offering us uh, some new opportunities to, to connect in ways that we hadn't before. And, and you know, and for some of the older, um, I'm not quite older yet, but I'm getting older. But a lot of, uh, say, a lot of the uh, guys that are even much older than me and that have been on the road for a long time, in some ways, the ability to just be able to stay home and have a life and still do their art, uh, you know, uh, at, from, from a live stream or from, you know, in their home, getting back to a rhythm. You know, that's one of the things we as touring artists sometimes getting back to guys like, you know, Utah Phillips, who were touring around the country, you know, into their 70s and, you know, um, some people aren't having to do that as much. Some people are getting to reclaim some of their health and their life back and still reach their audiences. So 
Um, you know, those, those, are, those are some of the fun things, learning more about that, learning how to incorporate, you know, on our last Zoom call, I mean, on our last live stream, we, we brought in my friend Dan Kai from Maui via Zoom. Um, we're, we're wanting to look in, I, I got to thinking, well, man, if we're going to do this, maybe every show we could go to a different part of the world, you know, you know, we could bring in a friend from Africa and we can, we can have him hold his iPhone out, uh, to, to, you know, some of the, the, his drummer friends in the field. I mean, these are the, these are some of the positives that we may be looking at. Um, so, um, but I got to tell you guys one thing, if this is okay to say, I actually have to go, but I have to go for a good reason. I'm supposed to meet a friend of mine to help him play some Santa Cruz guitars at a shop because he's getting ready to buy one. <laughs> and because we got a little bit set back with our technology here, I'm running late because he hasn't, you know, we're in COVID now. So he had to make an appointment at the shop. And if it's okay with you, I may have to take off. Is that okay for you guys? Yeah, yeah. we'll, we'll, I got, we'll uh... I got to go hawk some Santa Cruz guitars. <laughs> <laughs> Well, 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 you've been you've been way more than, than generous with your time, Keith, and, and yeah. we'll, uh, we'll we'll figure it out. I, I just want to make sure that everybody um, takes a look at the links, the Keith, Keith Greninger um, website. Um, look at the look at the uh, backstory on Wind River Studios and check out Keith's uh, seven CDs that are available right now. And um, <laughs> Richard, did you guys, did you guys, um, I'm happy to play a song before I go if you want a song real quick or no, we're okay. want, we, we can do part two. Let's do yeah, part two, man. Let's do part two. Let's come up let's, again. Let's, we'll sit around the fire. Yeah. And thanks to everybody who's been watching this. It, it, it is interesting in these times. For us, this is just a conversation between three friends around a table. And I, I know sometimes it can, it can almost veer off into some interesting terrain, but thanks for joining us for this podcast. And well, Richard and Tad, thanks for, thanks for doing yeah. this. You know? Thank you for joining us on the Santa Cruz Coffee Break. Please spread the word to other guitar players who you think would enjoy listening. Remember to check the Santa Cruz Guitar Players Forum site for more information about the topics we discussed, as well as to get the links to the artist reference today. You can also make suggestions for future podcasts or submit questions that we might pose to Richard Hoover and his team. The Santa Cruz Coffee Break is a special project by members of the Santa Cruz Guitar Players Forum and is solely the opinion of those speaking. The Santa Cruz Coffee Break is hosted, produced, and engineered by the Tadman Group. Keep on playing and come back next month.